0: No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before the show started, Dragon and I were talking about, I knew. I, I know New York City pretty well. I used to travel to New York City on a regular basis. And I know the environs around New York City. Uh, the New Jersey area, the Connecticut area, Westchester County, North of New York City. I know all this area very well. There, there's one place that I've never driven a car, and that's in Manhattan. I've driven in uh, Brooklyn. I've driven around the LaGuardia Airport and driven out on Long Island, but I've never driven in, in on Manhattan on Manhattan Island. It's a it's a hellhole to drive through, drive in, drive around, and truckers are constantly crossing the bridges and the tunnels, taking all of the products that people who live in Manhattan consume, restaurants department stores, bodegas, I mean, every kind of business you can possibly imagine, the uh, Wall Street firms, the law firms, the, the commercial banks that we were talking about in the last hour that, you know, loaned Trump money and got paid back. But somehow that's a crime. All of that has to get into Manhattan. Truckers can, now, if you work for a big company and you're a trucker and and you refuse to take a load, you know, your, your dispatch calls you or texts you, however they do it, and they tell you that you need to pick up a load at X and that load needs to be delivered to, you know, 467 West 83rd Street or whatever it might be in Manhattan. I just made up an address. I have no idea where that is. I mean, I generally know where it is. And you say, no, I'm not not going into Manhattan. That company would probably, the dispatch, would probably just immediately go to the next person that they have available and say, you need to pick up this load at X and take it to 467 West 83rd Street, and that person will just go do it. If everybody in that huge company refused to deliver to Manhattan then that big company would either, I don't know, fire all of you, uh, hire new, new drivers to come in, which is probably a problem in and of itself, but hire other people to take the goods to Manhattan. My point being, these goods and products are going to get into Manhattan. Short of truckers doing something that um, I have an objection to, and that is blocking the bridges and the tunnels. You know, you drive your 18 you, you drive your box truck, whatever it is, you drive it onto the George Washington Bridge, and you just come to a halt, and all the other truckers come to a halt, and now all the commuters trying to get to work can't because of you. How's that different than Black Lives Matter or the environmentalists or anybody else blocking the 405 in, in Los Angeles or blocking the 25 or the 225 or whatever it might be in Denver and preventing you from getting to work? You're going to be pissed off. Or the Chopper Chaz thing or whatever where ambulances couldn't get yeah, in. Yeah, where to ambulances save couldn't lives. get in. Yeah. Um, so goods are going to get to New York. I think the more effective protest is you know if you um, and this is probably already happening anyway because it's so expensive don't patronize the restaurants but make sure they know why and then I think well but then you're you're hurting the wait staff because you're punishing them for something that the attorney general did that's not related to them I've just see this is just All of this, to me, creates a problem. The problem is the dumbass people, voters uh, in New York, voted Letitia James to be the attorney general on a campaign promise that she would go after Donald Trump. So the real solution is uh, she ought to be removed from office for violating I don't know. Maybe she violates some code of ethics somewhere. I'd have to go back and read the, uh, the American Bar Association or the, or the rules of the uh, New York uh, Supreme Court and see what they say. Maybe she violated some ethics rule by doing that. But she's the problem. Judge Engerong and this prosecutor on behalf of Leticia James in, Man- in that Manhattan courtroom, they're the problem. So, withholding goods for a company or a bodega that's sitting on the corner of Four Sixty Seven West Eighty Third Street and just trying to sell newspapers, magazines, and candy and and sandwiches and whatever else they might be selling, uh, you're, you're harming that small business person for something he has no probably doesn't have any interest in because he's probably just a liberal New New York Democrat. I don't know. All of this all of this see is an election issue all of this is about we the people and, and having power I know that I can vote with my money every single day and I, I struggle with this issue let's say for example that um, I mean coca-cola is pretty woke as I take a sip of a Diet Coke from McDonald's, I guess I could choose to stop drinking Diet Coke. That's going to have zero impact on Coca-Cola. Now, if there's a nationwide boycott of Coca-Cola, I might join that. I might join that because that's going to affect a publicly traded company and their sales drop off, then that means that two groups of people are going to suffer. One, those that work in the Coke distribution. Like every, you know, there's a Coca-Cola distribution warehouse in cities all across the country. Well, those workers and those truck drivers and all of them are going to be harmed. And at some point, Coca-Cola and the shareholders, the shareholders in particular, are going to get pissed off because nobody's buying Coca-Cola again because of woke policies. Well, then maybe they'll fire the CEO and Coca-Cola won't be so woke. And then Coca-Cola changes its policies, practices, procedures. They get rid of DEI and they, start, they, they turn back into a meritocracy. Well, then we, we've won that battle. We've also cost some people their jobs in the process. Is that collateral damage that we're willing to accept? I think in some cases, yes. I think in some cases you have to recognize that there will be collateral damage. So you can vote at a ballot box or you can vote with your dollars. And both are very, very effective. I. I want to believe, and I think there is data to show, that this country still is a center-right country. But the people who are center-right are all out busy going to work, raising their kids, doing everything else, and they're not actively engaged politically. So all they do is they just might cast a ballot. Or they don't cast a ballot. We don't have, as a center-right party, (laughs) I think we're still center-right, as a Republican party, we don't focus on the things that I think we should focus on. GOTV, get out the vote. We don't spend money on that. Rona McDaniel has absolutely emasculated the Republican National Committee. And I don't like, I don't, you know, if you want to give a dollar to the RNC, that's fine. But recognize that right now the RNC, their priorities are totally effed up. They ought to be spending hundreds of millions of dollars on get out the vote, on making certain that we have people that are making phone calls, offering rides, doing whatever it is, helping to get mail-in ballots mailed in, whatever. Get out the vote. G-O-T-V is the most important thing. And the second most important thing is ballot security. I cast my ballot. And I drove up to a Douglas County Sheriff's Station substation. And it was, in fact, it was on Saturday morning. Dogs had me up early. And I'm getting ready to do the national program. And so the dogs and I run to McDonald's so they can have a sausage biscuit. And then I'm taking them out to Chatfield for a walk. And I'm there by that substation. So I drive through. And I quickly just glance at something about the rules and regulations about mail-in ballots. And I thought, well, you know what? I don't care what the rules and regulations are about mail-in ballots. I think we ought to get rid of mail-in ballots. I sincerely believe that. Democrats knew precisely what they were doing when they enacted mail-in ballots. And you know what? Many of us, not me, but many, I should say many of you, maybe not you, but some of you. I'm I'm trying to, I'm equivocating here because I don't want to generalize too much about this audience because I think you tend to agree with me. I think that when the idea of a mail-in ballot is something as being convenient, that argument won the day. That argument, rather than, because I I can can remember myself on air talking about mail-in ballots are wrong. No, 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 we should not be doing this. This is going to be, this is fraught with fraud. This is fraught with the opportunity for fraud. But no, I was drowned out. I can remember I can remember people when when I was on afternoon drive or even over at KOA. I remember the people with people would say, "Oh, but Michael, you know my grandmother's in, my grandmother's too old to go, you know, to go the, to the poll. Well, I, my argument was, then you ought to be a good grandson or son or whatever, and you ought to get off your ass. And you ought to go help her apply for a proper, legitimate absentee ballot based on her infirmities and inability to get to a polling place. But, oh, no, we all want convenience. We all want Uber Eats. We all want the drive through We all want the Amazon delivery. We all want, we, we all, we, we are so fat and happy we can't get up off the couch to do the most important thing to save the Republic, and that's just to go vote. I give up. I give up. I honest you know, you can call me an Alex Jones about this. I don't care. I believe that as long as mail in ballots are the primary form of casting a ballot in this country. Republicans will continue to lose, and we will lose close races because it is so effing easy to cheat with mail-in ballots. Go to a polling place. Get off your ass and stand in line. Cast a ballot. And you know why we'll win those? Because Democrats are, by their very nature, lazy. Yeah. Yeah. They depend upon people who are either lazy, or are poor, or are not motivated, or just don't want to get up and go vote because I, you know, well, and just uh, everything else is given to me. Why should I have to go do that? And they go get they go get their ballots, and I, you can bitch and moan all you want to about ballot harvesting. How are you going to prove it? Oh, I know. Don't don't start on me about. The videos of the guys showing up in the middle of the night, you know, under, the, under a dark, foggy, you know, neon light somewhere. And he's looking around and he's stuffing a ballot box with a d- bunch of different ballots. What does that prove? Those may all be legitimate ballots. It simply proves that he gathered a bunch of ballots from probably a bunch of voters and stuffed them in. Stop it. Absolutely stop it. Talk about, a, talk about getting me off on a tirade. There's an example of one. I want to talk about the southern border. So, history, recent history, Donald Trump crushed the New Hampshire primary. As every poll indicated that he would. But Nikki Haley continues to vow to carry on. Now, she has said, when did she say she was going to do it? Was it today or tomorrow? But sometime in the very near future, Nikki Haley has said that she is going to make a public statement about the state of the Republican primary presidential race. So maybe she's maybe she's seen the light. Maybe her donors have said to her, we're not going to pour any money into you, Trump is the presumptive nominee. You're losing by 20 or 30 points, whatever it is, in your own state as a two-term governor. Um, no more money's coming in. I, d- I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But I know this. A cynical person might suggest that the interaction of two volatile liquids, cash on the one hand, consultants on the other, both of which milk campaigns people donate money because well they believe in a candidate and they or or they really despise another candidate and i think that's what's going on with haley i think haley is getting money because the money that she is getting is from is from people who despise and they're never trumpers and they do not want trump to win and then you have the consultants campaigns are ugh. They are like bug lights to bugs. A, a campaign consultant is to a campaign as a bug is to a bug light. I know it's going to kill me, but man, I got to get in there and I got to rake in the cash as much as I can. Well, Haley has both cash and consultants. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Look, i i i have um I have several friends who have voted for Trump twice, and now say that they really don't want to vote at all. And i and I understand that, and I understand their frustrations. And you know, a majority of Americans really don't want either one of these guys on the 2024 ballot. But I walk through my whole reality speech about, I don't like it either, but it is what it is. I think the best way to approach them, and I do this honestly, I'm not making this stuff up. There are a lot of things about Donald Trump, personally, that I don't like. I often imagine, maybe a nightmare, but I often imagine, Understanding how, now again, set aside your feelings about George W. Bush. I'm talking about operations. I'm talking about how things work. The Bush White House was this amazing operation. And I think part of that stemmed from Bush's experience with his father as president, that even though he really had no official role with his dad, He nonetheless had complete access, unfettered access, to the White House. And his dad, as a consummate Washington, D.C. insider, George H.W. Bush, knew how to organize, deal, and manage a bureaucracy. And so George W. Bush watched his father operate, and that carried over. Now, I thought he's a lot different than his dad, and I think initially he really was different than his dad. But I think he got a little bit of Stockholm syndrome, and I think Karl Rove pushed a lot of that, and he became much much more establishment and not really a genuine conservative, and didn't really do things. I mean, did things I thought was truly not conservative. And things that I thought were just politically motivated. But, I mean, every president does that. But me we get back to how the West Wing operated. The West Wing, now, while my office wasn't in the West Wing, I was, on the, I was in the West Wing at least two or three times every week. Sometimes for an entire day, sometimes just for a meeting, whatever. But I, I watched how that operation conducted itself. It was meticulous. It was organized, and even if I was having a one-on-one with Bush, even even a one-on-one that, and, and they got to the point where they trusted me enough that there was not. There were times when there was nobody else present. It was just me and Bush talking about whatever issue we were talking about. But up until that point. There was always the chief of staff, Andy Card, or deputy chief of staff, either Josh Bolton or Joe Hagan, were in the room with us. He always had somebody with him. Or maybe sometimes Ashley would come in. Ashley happens to be the wife of Justice Brett Kavanaugh. And she would be there to take notes about whatever we were talking about. And if there was a decision for the president to make, Before I could present that decision to Bush, it had to work its way through the West Wing to make sure that everybody signed off on either if I had a recommendation or if I had just a, hey, we need direction. That got fine-tuned. So when it finally got to Bush's desk, he knew pros and cons. He knew that he was asked to, man maybe it was an A-B choice, Maybe it was an ABC choice, but he knew that he had to sign off on X, whatever X was, and however X was presented. And then once that was done, I could take that back and uh, either report back to the appropriate office in the West Wing, Office of Management and Budget, my office, whatever it might be, boom, this is how we operated. It was just a well-oiled machine. I think about working with Donald Trump. Now, this is, this is based partly on my reading about how he operated the West Wing. But I don't know whether I've ever told you or not. But his homeland security advisor, for about the first year, to, or maybe almost two years, I'd have to go back and check for sure, but Trump's first homeland security advisor, You have the National Security Advisor. You have the Homeland Security Advisor. The Homeland Security Advisor used to work for me. He was my legislative liaison. And so I knew him quite well. In fact, he called me when he found out that they were looking to hire him. He called me for advice on what to do. That's actually a fascinating story I should tell you sometime. So I understood based on, you know, conversations that he and I would have back and forth on his personal email, obviously not government email, but personal email about hey, you know, how are things going, how are things operating, what's it like? Tell me, you know, tell me how's it compare to the Bush White House, blah, blah, blah. He said it was chaos. That it was total chaos. And that Trump would make a decision one day and it would be X, and the next day somebody else would get to him and it would be Y. And so it was just all this All over the place. He said, and even though it was chaos, if he made a decision about something, let's say border security, the staff would run with that because the staff wanted to get that implemented and get that going as quickly as possible. So they could get back to him and say, remember the decision you made on Tuesday? Well, it's now Friday, and we're actually doing that. And that would calm Trump down. And in his mind, he would think, okay, that's over and done with. I don't have to work with it anymore. And if somebody else approaches me, I can just say to them, hey, go see Billy Bob, because Billy Bob's already doing that. But other than that, it was just chaos. And I I, I don't think I could work in that. I don't want to work in that kind of chaos. Not when you have issues that potentially affect the future of the country, that affect you and me. And that might affect our power position in the entire world. I just, I, I, I just, I can't do that. I, I, I'm not, I'm not wired that way. Some people are. I'm not. All that's to say that the people that look at me now and say I voted for him twice and I can't do it again because I don't like the way he operates. I don't like the way he says things. I don't like the way he calls people out with these stupid nicknames, I don't like this, that. I, I look at them and I let them I let them just ugh, just exhaust themselves with why they don't like Trump. And then I ask them this. Which do you like better? The policies of this country under Donald Trump, with the exception of COVID. Do you like everything else about Trump, with the exception of COVID? Or do you like the policies of Biden? And they hate it when I ask that question. You know why? Because they despise where the country's going now. They despise it. And, of course, their their rebuttal to me is, well, but Trump in the last year or so with COVID, he was horrible. He was absolutely, he shut down the country. He spent all of this money. And I'm like, I, I know that, too. But absent that, if you take that thing out, because Biden carried those policies forward too. Everything else. Would you rather go down the path of what Trump did in the first few years, or do you want to continue? On, do you want to continue on the path that we're on today? Try right. to narrow the question down. Do you, do you do you want to change direction? Well, your choice is, or today appears to be, between Trump and Biden. And I know you don't like that choice. Maybe I don't like that choice, but that's the choice. So let's be real about it. Let's not play in what ifs. Let's not play in well if this or that. Let's play. Let's let's face the reality of where we are today. I'll give you a personal example. I told you I cast my ballot <laughs> uh, before I cast my ballot. We were at dinner with these friends, and I said, "You know, I got the ballot." Doesn't make any difference. I'm tempted. I think I even said this on the national program that I'm tempted to vote for Asa Hutchison because if I could give, if I can convince one. In fact, I told my friend at dinner this: if you'll vote for Asa Hutchison, I'll vote for Asa, Asa Hutchison. And then when he gets two votes in the state of Colorado, we'll know that that was you and me, because it doesn't really make any difference right now because Trump's going to be the nominee whether he wins the Colorado primary or not. In fact, everybody else on that ballot has dropped out of the race with the exception of Nikki Haley. So it didn't make any difference. But you know what the retort was? My friend had the best retort at all I've ever heard about my, let's just play with the ballots and vote for Asa Hutchison. He said, no, I'm going to vote for Trump because I'm going to vote for him because I'm not going to have anybody tell me that I can't vote for him. Hmm. I went home and cast my ballot and dropped it off in the box. Nobody's going to tell me that I can't vote for somebody when they're on the ballot. F you, Republican Party. F you, Secretary of State Jenna Griswold. And F you, the Democrats. And F you, Colorado Supreme Court. And F you, you know what, Well, we'll we'll wait and see. I still bet, 8 to 1, 9 to nothing, that... The court rejects Colorado's case against Donald Trump. I'll be right back. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Drag and I are, are, are devoted to equity. To making certain that we all get our fair share. And we want to make sure that, you know, everyone recognizes and respects our choice of pronouns. And we want to make certain... For certain, we want to make for certain that when it comes to the poor and the downtrodden and those that are less fortunate than us, that rather than giving money to a a private charity organization to help those homeless or whatever, that we instead have the government take care of them because, well, we don't want to mess, We, 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 we don't want to touch them. We don't want to be anywhere near them. So we'll have the government do that for us. We're all for because the government is so compassionate. And by the way, those Chinese that are coming here, those Chinese able bodied men between the ages of 18 and 34 that are coming here, well dressed, tan, ready, and rested, they're coming here simply seeking to become Uber Eats drivers. And we could all use more Uber Eats drivers. I don't know why people have to be so concerned or worried about it. And for all of those, well, we used to have all those mothers and children come across, but we don't see that anymore because people are coming here because they live in, in crap hole countries and they're coming here for a better life. And so I we believe that it's absolutely imperative that we provide them, as California is doing, with taxpayer-funded health care. And I think that it's probably time. I mean, Tam and I are living in this home and you know, our kids are gone and we've got a couple of extra bedrooms and you know, and we got the basement. You know, my office downstairs has a really nice couch and a kind of a lazy boy like, you know, recliner in it and and we could probably remodel the uh, storeroom and put a extra Bathroom down there, and we could a little family could live down there. I I even have in my office. I even have one of those little mini refrigerators. Well, they could, you know, they could put some food in there, but they could just come upstairs and get whatever they want. I think I I feel like I have a moral obligation to do that. And Dragon and Mrs. Redbeard are going to be doing the same thing because we care. We care a lot, right? Isn't that what you want to do? Yeah, we care. Ugh. you've got me so off track. And I know I'm not, but I'm not responsible for my own actions. It's not my fault, it's your fault. I was talking about what's going to happen when the money runs out and Nikki Haley disappears, that one thing that is not going to change is the overriding issue of this campaign. I know. Look, I myself... I truly am worried about inflation, and yeah, I'm worried about the economy, and I'm worried about what we're actually doing. Look, if we're going to be in Ukraine, let's be in Ukraine to win. If we're going to support Israel, then let's support Israel. We're not doing anything. We're just we just have some you know aircraft carriers and some you know destroyers and stuff in the in the Mediterranean, and they're just getting attacked by the equivalent of bottle rockets. I mean, that's all. So. I, uh, you know, I, I think that we ought to, um, we don't want to, you know, risk doing anything. I mean, you know, we, uh, we, we're we all timid, and I understand why we're timid. Um, And I know that Joe Biden, you know, promised to faithfully preserve, protect, and defend, <laughs> defend the Constitution of the United States. I get all of that. But is Iowa, New Hampshire, and I think every poll taken across across the political spectrum reminds us the one overwhelming all-absorbing keep you up at night, hear about it constantly on the news story is the lack of a southern border. There is no border. Did you know that? I really do believe that in geography they ought to erase the border between the United States and Mexico. And for that matter, Canada. let's just you know let's, let's just become good neighbors. And like good neighbors say, we're like, we're here to help. Just open the borders, baby. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess we already have done that. I truly, I told you about my daughter who lives in North Scottsdale, that there's this whole Chilean gang organized. Well, I'm sure they're just seeking a better life. My daughter has too much stuff. They make too much money. And, and at least the Chilean the Chilean gangs are being organized enough that they wait till people go to dinner before they break into their homes. I mean, come on, that's that's called consideration, right? Now they did arrest three of them, and they they look like fine upstanding citizens. I mean these were these were wonderful mugshots when I looked at these people. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom?